Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy. Got my guy, the one and only Mr. Mitchell in the building. State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode. How you doing, brother? How was your day, man? Yeah, doing good, bro. Doing good. Um, yeah, enjoying my day so far. It's a nice Sunday over here. So, yeah, just ready to get stuck into it, brother. All right, man. So let's, I mean, well, what we're getting into right now is the training camp battles. We're going to talk about the starting five battles. We're going to talk about the bench battles and, and whatnot. And we could also talk about, we could get into Julius Randle. A little bit about Julius Randle and what he has to do to become an all-star. And we could also um, get into a little bit about media day and who we're looking forward to most hearing from. Um, so how you feeling about training the camp battles, bro? Before I get into the roster, how you feeling about it? Yeah, well, I think uh, the battles in, in training camp is going to be very interesting, uh, especially, obviously, for the point guard position. Uh, we've got a few uh, point guards on the roster. We've still got Kadeem Allen on the roster. So I think, what, we've got three or four point guards there. So we've got good depth uh, for that position at the one. So that that's the position I'm most looking forward to. Um, probably the, the other one would be the... Um, the power forward position, um, who, who's going to get the start, who's going to get the backup. I, I dare say at the moment it would probably be Randall starting and uh, Marcus Morris possibly backing him up. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, the power forward and the, and the point guard positions are the, are the two I'm keeping my eye on that uh, most interest me because uh, we've got that much depth at both positions, uh, which is lovely to have as well. Uh, you, you never know. You can't count on injuries and that happening so yeah it'll be definitely intriguing to see who comes out um as i said the the starting point guard and the backup point guard and who's going to get the most minutes um i guess uh, when it pertains to the to the one spot yeah (laughs) yeah that one spot oh my jesus they got to get the one spot right so that was a little bit of it so right now we got 20 guys on our roster. We got 15 guaranteed contracts. We got one two-way deal, and we got four Exhibit 10 deals. So the Exhibit 10 deals is VJ King, Amir Hinton, Lamar Peters, and Kenny Wooten. And four guys that's intriguing to the roster, might I add. Um, very intriguing, I would say. And... We got one two two way player, which is Kadeem Allen, who 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 can I say his spot is not guaranteed. I'll definitely say that as far as that two way spot is concerned. But besides the oh. roster contracts and whatnot, let me just name let let let's start off with the starting point guard position. I'm gonna start off with the point guard position. So right now on our roster, we have Kadeem Allen, 26 years old, 6'3", on a two-way contract. You know, shot-making, 46% from the field. Kadeem is a good veteran guard, steady, doesn't try to do too much. Next guy is Alfred Payton, 25 years old, 6'4". Payton was drafted by Perry, obviously me and you know. Perry likes to take chances on his extra picks. Um, and he chose to come here. So salute to Alfred Payton. Our boy, Frank Melikina, 21 years old, 6'6, possibly 6'7 from French Knicks Pod. You know, our 2017 lottery pick. Um, just finished FIBA, the FIBA tournament. Put up, you know. Great FIBA numbers. Shut down Kimber Walker. Upset it, Team USA. So, shout out to Frank Nelikina. And finally, we have Dennis Smith Jr. 21 years old, 6'3. 
um, working on his three-point shot this offseason with Keith Smart. And the main jewel for the Kristaps Porzingis trade. So how do you, bro, how do you feel this might shake out? Yes, again, a very, very intriguing lineup of uh, point guards we have there. Uh, All uh, different variations of style of play. Um, All have their um, weaknesses. All have have their, um, you know, their games that they work with. Uh, Frankie, um, you know, we we know that he's more of a defensive point guard um, that can um, set his teammates up. We know what DSJ can do. In fact, at the moment, I'd probably have just just purely based on what I've been uh, with my research, witnessing in videos, I'd, I'd put DSJ as the starting point guard for sure and for certain. That that kid, I mean, you know, for the last two years, I've been sort of sceptical, as you know, on him. Uh, I've been a bit sort of uh, humming and hawing as, as to whether or not he's a starting caliber point guard. But I believe that we're going to see a De'Aaron Fox type breakout season from him. Uh, he looks good. He looks healthy. He looks bigger. Uh, he's shooting the three better than I've ever seen him shoot the three. Um, I know it's just on a practice court and, and pick up games. But uh, yeah, with his bounce and, and that, um, yeah, his game's going to come a long way. I think Keith Smart has nailed down the perfect um, shot for him from the three-point line. Uh, it looks smooth. Uh, so at the, at, at the moment, I'd, I'd say DSJ might be ahead of the pack uh, to take the, the starting point guard. I think he'll get first crack at it, put it that way, uh, with Alfred backing him up. Um, it's just Here's two things. Two things real quick, bro, before you continue. I've seen recent videos of DSJ shooting free throws, and he still got that little hitch in him. I hate his free throws. And the second thing about DSJ, and I, I want you to think about this too, even after the podcast, because I, I ask people this question all the time now. Well, I started asking them about two, three days ago. Are you willing to pay DSJ max money if he does become an all-star? I'd say no, only for the simple fact is I think for most of his career, I just get this sense that he's going to be borderlining an all-star. He may get a few appearances, like say if he's having a good year and he's in form. He's going to be one of those type of guys, I believe. Um, I mean, I'd love him to turn into like an Alan Iverson type, but... You know, I think I, I, I'm sort of dreaming in that regard, um, especially even with the handles and that. So, I mean, all, yeah, all, all we know so far with DSJ is and he can dunk. Uh, where the area that I'd like to see him improve is, is defense big time. Um, he really needs to, to lock down on his defender and stay in front of his defender. Um, and also reading the floor. Um, um, you know, he, he's not terrible at it and he's only young, obviously, still, so that can get better. But I'd like to see him be a bit more of a floor general. But I do agree, like, you can still see that, that slight hitch in his shot. Uh, I do think that it's it looks, to me, on the just naked eye test, it, it looks a lot smoother than where it was, though. So I can see that Keith Smart's, influenced and he's and his coaching is having an effect which is good to see i think it's it's coming along put it that way so i'd like to see it a lot a lot better obviously and a lot a lot more smoother than where it is but it has come along i, I will give um keith smart credit for that um but yeah again i'm not sure if he's max type money or not um and i don't know if he's going to be say a consistent all-star you know, he's not no, I can tell you. I just think, you know, I think he can be a really good, like a team, like club man, if you know what I mean by that. Like, he, he'll he be a good role guy on the team. Um, he'll be good for the, you know, the Knicks in general, um, you know, just with his energy. Uh, he's got a sort of, uh, in this offseason, I've, I've found that, I guess it might be because he's, he's healthy and he's feeling good that he's 
personality is more bubblier and, and, and chirpy than where it was last season and the season before that, where he kind of still looked a bit down within himself and that. So, I mean, that's, that's good to see. Um, good to see that his confidence is, is back as well. So that, that'll help him. But again, yeah, I, I think it, it's one of those, he's going to be one of those players that he, he's just going to be borderlining there. And um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be like a consistent all-star like your Steph Curry's or your uh, Kyrie Irving's or Damian Lillard's, you know, in that, that area. Yeah. <laughs> Curry, I, I had to ask you that question because I'm looking at the cap. I'm thinking about future guys who we might want to pay. The Knicks got to think about this too. Now, Something interesting that Alan Hines spoke about. Um, I think it was on he had an interview with Nick Fan TV and um Nick and Time Show. So salute to those guys. But he was talking about preseason and he was saying how David Fisdale should miss and like mix up, mix it up this preseason. And he was saying the Knicks should start. Yesterday with Frank Nilakina and see how that backcourt looks. Um I see Frank Nilakina as the most versatile point guard on the roster. And it's gonna be tough. I, I think this is gonna be the most interesting matchup, most interesting training camp battle. I'm interested in seeing what play style is the Knicks gonna run. Because if you got a Julius Randle and you got a Mitchell Robinson, you want to play half-court basketball sometimes. You want to run. Don't get me wrong. But you need your big guy in the middle. I don't want Mitchell Robinson to always have the running up and down the court. He's going to get tired. He could get injured. And I kind of want Frank Nellikina at that spot. I, I, I like. Alfred Payton, but I see him as being pointless. I, I don't. I never. I, I kind of like the pickup, but it was redundant. I feel like we didn't need another point guard, but it's cool. But I still feel like Frank Nevakina needs that job. But if DSJ wins the job, fine. But I'm not willing to pay him a max contract. That is that I don't even want to talk to him about a max contract, honestly. So. At the end of the day, before we get off the point guards, bro, you say DSJ. So we both agree DSJ will start. Yeah, yeah. Barring injury, nothing bad happens. Now, if something bad happens, do you see Frank Nilakina or Alfred Payton starting? At this stage, I'd probably – because. I mean, I haven't seen too much of Alfred Payton this offseason, so I'm going to say that I'd, I'd go with Frank, purely based on his play from the FIBA tournament, which he took up another level, and he also showed more aggression in his play. So I'd go with Frank, but that's just me personally. Mm. All right. Now, shooting guard. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Now, the shooting guard position, multiple guys could start, honestly, depending on who's the point guard. I know people laugh at Wayne Melody thing. He might could start because he could space the floor. You don't know how Fisdale wants to play. I don't know how Fisdale wants to play. But from last season, a lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of pin down screens, you need that floor space at the shooting guard spot. But at the same time, we got different type of shooting guards. If so, it would be kind of hard to evaluate, you know, each, each shooting guard in a small sample size like preseason. Like, this is why I don't understand why preseason is just four to six games. It should be about eight. But that's just me. So, the shooting guard spot, R.J. Barrett. 19 years old, 6'7". You know, our lovely number three pick in the NBA draft. We got our guy, Iso Zo, 23 years old, 6'5". From Arizona, 
our draft pick last year. Thank you, Scott Perry. Um, we got Wayne Ellington, 29 years old, 6'4". That great shooter. And I'll say Frank because Frank will be playing some shooting guard this season. And we have Damian Dotson, the forgotten man out of the rotation. It's crazy how Damian Dotson is just really the forgotten man. Um, I don't believe I missed anybody else. So, oh, Reggie Bullock. But I don't, I'm not going to mention Reggie Bullock because he's hurt. And I think he's just going to – I don't think he's going to play in the Knicks uniform this season, honestly. I think our guards are going to be good without him, and I don't think we're going to need him. But just in case for injury. So out of those guys, who you who do you feel like the Knicks will start? Now, before you go, people penciling R.J. Barrett into the starting shooting guard spot. That's understandable. The Knicks need to justify picking R.J. Barrett at number three. And R.J. needs to justify why he was picked at number three. But you don't want to put too much too much on this kid's plate. He's playing in New York. You don't want to overfeed him. You don't want to, you know, throw him out in the wolves. And if he's playing, and let's say if he's playing bad, now you got to pull him out of the starting lineup. He might hurt his confidence. So some people might want to ease him in slowly. So how do you feel about the shooting guard spot, though? Yeah, well, I've had an extensive think about this one. And um, I've actually not gone with RJ as a starting shooting guard. I'm kind of in agreement with a lot of other people that uh, I think that it would be better served, uh, especially in his rookie season to bring him on with the second unit initially and slowly but surely throughout the season convert him over into the starting lineup into the shooting guard spot. Uh, just just take a little bit of a process with him. Don't rush it. Uh, there's no need to slot him in there straight away. Uh, so I, I uh, after looking over our other shooting guards, I, I actually went with Wayne Ellington uh, because of the vet presence. You don't, you don't want to run out a full uh, for your starting lineup, you don't want to run out a bunch of young guys, like completely young guys. Um, and if Mitch and Knox are, say, going to be your starting small forward and your starting centre, so there's two young guys straight off the bat. If DSJ is your point guard, another young guy, so there's three. So you want to have at the power forward and, uh, and the shooting guard position uh, some vets. So, I, yeah, I went with uh, Wayne Ellington purely based on he can space the floor. Um, he's a pure shooter. Uh, his defence actually tightened up last last season, um, you know, with Miami and when, once he was traded as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually like him for the starting spot. I think he might get first crack at it. Um, yeah. And it's up to, him, up to him then, in my eyes, to to lose it, but I think what will happen eventually is that him and RJ will just switch spots and Wayne will drop back to bench and run with the second unit and RJ will run with the starters, but again, it'll just be a progression thing. I think with, say, if, it, if it's against teams, you know, okay, put it for this example, if, if they come in and they're playing against Charlotte Hornets, they might actually start RJ Barrett, but if they're playing someone like the Golden State Warriors, I'd be starting Wayne Ellington. You know what I mean? In, in the difference yeah, yeah. of level of play, whereas it wouldn't be so much pressure, whether it's the game's played in New York or Charlotte, if you were to put him out, uh, RJ out there in the starting lineup against someone like a Charlotte, but there'd be more, even more pressure, whether it's a home game or an away game, if he was to go in as a starting lineup and have a terrible game against Golden State. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I see it. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, as, as you mentioned, like Frank, I hope, would get a little bit of time there as well throughout the game, just purely for his defence and, and his length. Um, and obviously they have to fit in uh, Damian Dotson somewhere along the line, although I, I still, for probably the last few weeks, just because, like you said, he's the forgotten man, I have this feeling he might be the first on the chopping block eventually when it comes time to, um, you know, cutting the roster back a little bit. Um, Reggie Bullock, well, 
you know, he, he played both. He's got the height and the length to play small forward too. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I see him getting more time at the small forward position uh, when he is kind of healthy or somewhat healthy over shooting guard. Um, he might be back on, on the rotation list when it comes to the shooting guard position. But, um, yeah, oh, safe bet says for me, Ellington, just purely, again, because he can space the floor and his three-point shot up. You can't go wrong with him. Uh, he's he's reliable. Uh, you know, he he, he done well um, in his last few seasons with Miami. Uh, he was nailing a lot of three-point three shots there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd go with him. And, and we, need, we need shooters from three-point range too. So, we, that's why we picked him up. Um, I actually think he's a better three-point shooter than Reggie Bullock on percentage rate. Uh, so, uh, I'd go with Wayne Ellington. Yeah, I, it's funny because about a month ago I wouldn't have agreed, but I kind of agree now. I really don't want to put too much on this kid's plate. I don't want him to get too much too early. I want him to be eased into the role. Hey, I even start Trier if that's the case. But my problem with Trier is Trent needs to learn how to move off the ball. Yeah, yeah. He gets the ball and he needs rhythm dribbles in order to get up a shot. And sometimes that stagnates the offense. So Trent has to change his game. That's one thing. He has to change his game. He has to learn how to move without the ball and learn how to cut when they need to cut. Because when you're an NBA vet, I was watching film today. Wayne Ellington knows how to move off the ball, and we definitely yeah. need that on this Knicks roster. He knows where to cut. He knows when to cut, and his defense got better. So I, I wouldn't be mad if he was penciled in as a starter. I, I would not be mad. Now, this next position, the small forward spot, that's the position where I'm like, okay, Kevin Knox gotta start, but I, I need him to want it. I need him to want it. So let's let let let's let me just bring up the small forwards on our roster so we can continue. Um, you know we got our young boy Iggy Brad Brad Zekas. Uh, I always butcher his name. Twenty years old, six foot seven. We traded up to the forty seventh pick in the NBA draft and Scott Perry found us another gym. Played with R.J. Barrett in, in U16 tournaments. Um, he got a good feel for the game. Kid is aggressive. I like I like Iggy. Um, we got Marcus Morris. 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, uh, small forward. He could play power forward. Um, savvy vet. Could hit could hit a three. He could put the ball on the floor. He's he's definitely improved his game over the course of his career. I would definitely give Marcus Morris that. He definitely improved his game. And we got our young boy, Kevin Knox. 20 years old. Hopefully he's 6'10 when the height, when the NBA Rosters will reveal their players' heights. I hope he's 6'10". Um, he looks like a shooter. One of six teenagers in NBA history to make above 100 threes. 34% from three. I always say this, and I even said this to you. Kevin Knox is an off-ball player. He's not an ISO player. He's used under 10%, even in college, in ISO ball. He's a shooter disguised in a tall height. <laughs> like, like he's 6'9", 6'10", but the kid has the ceiling of Rashard Lewis. And he can shoot it. But I need him to want it. So I'm hoping, before you go, bro, that I'm hoping just Kevin Knox just wins out the starting job. I hope he comes in, comes in this preseason uh, shooting, letting his guns blaze. And just like uh, Summer League, 
He's going to the basket. He's taking contact. He looks stronger. He looks bigger. He's talking the talk. I seen his Puma uh, interview with him and Clyde Fraser and R.J. Barrett, and he said the Nets getting two stars fueled fueled us. So I'm 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 bracing for a big second season from Kevin Knox, man. So how are you feeling about the small forward position, bro? Yeah, it's another position that intrigues me. I think it's gonna the starting small forward position though out of the. The three names mentioned is going to come down to two. I think they'll um, bring Iggy along a bit slowly. As much as I love him and and love his play, he he might play you know um, garbage minutes and stuff like that. He might he might get some more minutes when when Knox or Morris might be out injured or out for a rest. So I think I think the I think it's going to come down to a battle between Marcus Morris and Kevin Knox and who wants it more um, at this stage. And and as much as I love Knox, I'm going to slot Marcus Morris into the starting small forward position initially, only initially, because I want him there to say, right, Kevin, come get me. Come come take this position from me. Because Marcus Morris is a hard man. He's stubborn. He's a bully. So yeah. if, you want, if you want Kevin Knox to prove that he wants it, take it from him. Take the position from him. Marcus Morris. You can take the position from Marcus Morris. It's yours. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I'd start with Marcus Morris and make Kevin Knox want it and earn it. And, you know, once he gets it, he needs to keep it, you know, and Marcus Morris will make and keep pushing him once he gets the position and say, right, it's yours. And now you've got to continue doing what you did to get here and take the position off me. You to keep that up, you know? So, that's why I, I I jumped for joy, man. I think I nearly jumped the meter in the air when we signed Marcus Morris because I wanted a guy like him that was going to push these young guys, that was going to be hard and tough on these young guys, but also, you know, be fair as well. So he was the perfect pick vet leadership, um, along with Julius Randle, as I mentioned earlier, um, for these for these small forward and power forwards that we've got on the roster. Um, so, yeah, Marcus Morris probably start initially and Kevin Knox to come off the bench. And then, obviously, hopefully Kevin takes it from him. That's that's what I'd like to see. Well, that, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that one. I'm not <laughs> mad at either or. Either or started, I'm not mad at it. If Kevin Knox got to come off the bench and take the position, so be it. I'm not worried about that. I think... Um, well, I love what you just said. I hope Marcus Morris is definitely one of the locker room leaders. I hope he's not traded. I hope we can keep him here. If he is traded, I hope we could get a first-round pick for him. And, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that at all. Um, Next position... We don't really need to get into no training camp battle about this position. <laughs> I think it's Julius Randle. I think it's just given to Julius Randle. I think it's we don't even need to debate no, this. No. But we what we what I wanted to get into about Julius Randle was he's the highest paid player on the roster. Can he be a can he be a leader? Can he be a great locker room guy? And let's say, for instance, right, is he a guy you think that could be a Serge Ibaka, who could be a, I could start a couple of years, then I could probably come off the bench one game. You, you, you know, the Serge Ibaka role that, play, that Serge plays now down the line, do you think he's one of those guys who don't mind playing that role? Yeah. Oh, I think he's comfortable in, in any role he sort of, you know, gets put in. Um, I mean, they moved him around when he was at the Lakers between power forward, small forward and centre. I think he, um, he also played power forward and centre at, at uh, Pelicans as well as and swapped around um, to coming off the bench and starting. So I, I think he just likes playing basketball and being on the court, to be quite honest. Uh, he doesn't seem like the type of the player that, you know, he's 
he's not too fussed about money and, and stuff like that. Obviously, money's good and that, but yeah, I think he just enjoys playing, playing with the with the right group of guys. Um, I just get that feeling from Julius Randall. So I think that he'll be happy starting now. And, um, you know, if time comes, he can switch into a Serge Ibaka type role. I don't think he'll have an issue with that. I don't think he's he's going to be one of these type of players to chuck a stink, so to speak, about it. I think he'd just um, he'd accept hmm. it. As long as he was getting decent minutes, put it that way. At the end of the day, as long as he was getting decent minutes, um, I think he'd be happy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he's, that's why I love Julius Randle. He, he's not high maintenance. He's not, uh, it's me, 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 me. He's not even going to be about that this year, even though he's the highest paid player. He's not going to say, well, this is my team now. And, you know, he, he understands He understands his position. He understands where he is. At, at the moment, you could pretty much say that I think they're looking at him to sort of be the, the captain of, of the of the squad, um, you know, the, the number one leader, so to speak. Um, he, he's been pretty boisterous, uh, I, I've noticed, during the off-season. He's gotten to know his teammates, which is good. Uh, got to know his coaches. Uh, so I'll, I'll have the pick-up. And, um, again, the power forward position, as far as I'm concerned, he's going to start. It's going to be his to his to hold on to and his to lose eventually as well. So, hey, if he if he's still – if he if he up game again to another level again and he's consistently playing well, I wouldn't even bother taking the position off him. I'd, I'd keep him there whilst ever he's, you know, he's healthy and he's, and he's playing well. Yeah. Uh, anything I, I'd like so, – we've discussed this many times. The only thing I'd like to see from him is for him to go right a bit more. You don't have to go right all the time. Just change it up every now and then so at least they have to respect that you will go right instead of being one-dimensional and go, okay, Julius Randall's on the court. He's, he's just going to go left. So we'll, we'll just cover him. You know, so, and, and I have seen a bit of footage of him in training where he has been going right, um, you know, on the odd occasion and that. As I said, you only need to throw it in here and there throughout the game just to go, oh, geez, he's not going left this time. He's going right. Oh, crap, you know. So he's going to put people off the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's going to keep them thinking. Uh, apart from that, the rest of his games, you know, pretty spot on. Um, his defense got a hell of a lot better last season with the Pels. I noticed, I think that's because he had a, uh, I think he, they pushed a bigger role on him um, compared to what the Lakers, how the Lakers were using him. And, um, yeah, I mean, now with how fit he is, like, whew, he's got a he's, he, the man like LeBron James, bro. Like, just the progression from when he came in, where he's like a pudgy power forward to, to now, he's going to be moving around tenfold better than, than we've ever seen him move around that court. He's going to be looking quicker. Um, he's going to have more energy. He probably can even stay on the court longer than you know, longer minutes than what he what he has done. So, I think personally, this is why I think he is going to be an all star because he puts in the work because he wants it. I think he wants to be, you know, classed as, as a top five power forward in the league. You know, and and I think he's got the pure willpower behind him to want it and to do it. Yeah, um, so. Do I see him breaking out this year and becoming an all-star? I'd say that's a good, very, very good possibility. You know, um, he's he's just soaked up this the New York atmosphere and lifestyle. He, he loves it. He, he's thriving off it. So I, I think it, it's just going to boost his confidence over the moon. I think he's gonna he's gonna take this um, take this opportunity by the scruff of the neck and and, and um, yeah, make make some um, people. Believe, make make people believe they hey tune into Julius Randall because it's must see TV. Like uh, I think that's the type of season I'm expecting from him. I'm expecting big things, and uh, I think you'll, you'll see him become an all star. Well, I definitely agree with a lot. I, I definitely agree with a lot of things you said. Um, the eye test people. Love Julius Randle. The statistics people, they love Julius Randle. Love him. He can play defense. The problem with Julius Randle 
is like I test people love Julius Randle. Analytics people yeah. hate Julius Randle. <laughs> Analytically, Julius Randle is one of the worst power forwards in the league, I believe. I think he's in the bottom three, the bottom five. But I think when he when he's when he's on, when he, when he's like when he's fired up and he's his head is in the game and he's really playing defense, he could be a great defender. He has great defensive highlights. He's six nine. He could be switchable. His defensive stance is terrible. So he needs to get that better. I think I think the analytics people will point at his defensive rating so bad. It was so bad. But you gotta take into account Anthony Davis trade demand. It was wearing on the team. He had to carry most of the offense late season. You can't carry the offense and then try to put all your energy on defense. This is why they're defined roles on the team. So you can put your energy and effort into other things instead of trying to do it all. So hopefully Julius Randle could tap into his defensive capabilities and become more of a defender. Because that's how all-stars uh, uh, that's how you become an all-star and you stay an all-star. You become consistent. All-stars are usually two-way players. Play both sides of the ball. And the last thing before we go, and I know you'll agree with this, Julius Randle passing. The kid can pass. I, I, I don't know I don't know why coaches was not playing this man more at the top of the key, but I hope Fisdale can use a lot of high-low sets with him and Mitchell Robinson, a lot of four and five pick and rolls, because I definitely want to see Julius Randle, you know, pass the ball. So finally, the center spot. Basically, we're just going to hand this to our good old big man, Mr. Mitchell Robinson, Money Mitch. Um, Only because the defense, man. We gotta have we gotta have somebody to protect the run. We only got one true center on this team. And when you think about it, for example, Bobby Portis played seventy seven percent of his minutes as center for the Wizards in twenty nineteen. So he could spot play some center. Julius Randle played fifty percent of his minutes as center for the Lakers in twenty eighteen. So Julius Randle can also spot at center. But I need Mitch there. I think Mitch is the foundation of a of a of a defense that's top three in the league. I think Mitch is a gen- generational talent defender. I think he's a generational defender. I think he, he's already a better shot blocker than your I say Anthony Davis. He's already a better shot blocker than AD. AD's a great shot blocker. He's not a better defender than AD. But he's already a better shot blocker for sure. So I'm very intrigued by this kid. He has to get a three-point shot. He has to get a, a, a dunker spot shot. When I watch when I'm watching film and watching highlights of Bobby Portis and Julius Randle, they usually play with guys who can hit a mid-range shot or hit a three-point shot. So how are you feeling about our big man, Mr. Money Mitch? And also, how you feeling about the haters on Twitter who say, well, the Knicks signed four power forwards for 15. All this garbage talking about Bill Simmons and his Celtics with Anus Canner and Kimber Walker started pick and roll him to death. But how you feeling about Mitch right now? Mitch, oh, you know, I, I love Mitch. And the center, starting center position, as far as I'm concerned, is his to lose. Uh, he's... Worked extremely hard this off-season from the footage I've been looking up and, and watching. Um, you know, he, he was work, starting to work on and bring out his three-point shot just in practices uh, last season. So I'm, I'm hoping he's extensively worked on that throughout this off-season. I know he can shoot it. I've seen him shoot it, you know, back at high school. Uh, and he was, he was nailing a lot of his three-point shots that he was given. So... It's there. It's just a matter of, you know, bringing it back out again, learning it again, because he had that full year where, you know, he wasn't concentrating on shooting. He was just concentrating on, on defensive fundamentals. So 
he just needs to train himself all over again with his with his offensive shot. I'd like I'd like to see a little baby hook in there as well. Um, you know, so a couple of little things there on offense just to just to sort of bring his offensive game up to, to the standard of his defensive game. Um, you know, sort of at the moment, all we all we know with Mitch is he's he's great in the paint. Uh, but if he can, if he can um, you know, spread out the floor and that, hey, that, that'll be even better. Um, especially with a lot of centres these days being able to do that from Joel Embiid to, or well, more importantly, um, Kat. Yeah, so... You know, need to be able to shoot a three. You don't. You don't need to shoot threes as consistently and as much as a Lillard or a, or a Curry. But you know, I'd like to see him. You know, shoot as say shoot as many threes as what Embiid puts up. You know, like he doesn't chuck up stupid numbers, but if he's open, he'll go for it. You know what I mean? So, and and um, he has actually hasn't got a bad stroke himself. So. Maybe maybe Mitch could sort of in the off season go have a train with him and just say, "Hey, big man, you know, give us a look at your stroke and that, and we can go from there." So, um, I mean, I know he trains with Anthony Davis, but you know, I he can learn a bit of three point shooting from him. But I don't know something about Embiid's his release is just looks to me much more smoother than Anthony Davis's release when it comes to three point line. You know, so. Um, yeah, either way, he just needs to add that three-point game. But Bobby or Portis will back him up. Uh, if if not Bobby Portis, then Taj Gibson will get some minutes there as well, the old head. Um, yeah, so – and as for the Twitter, I mean, ugh, the stuff I've read on there, I'll, I'll go agree <laughs> with you, brother. It's absolute, complete nonsense, absolute rubbish. Um, you know, you, you'd have to – you have to have, like – a non-existent basketball IQ just to sit back and look at it and go, oh, yeah, the Knicks are signed you know, five powerful or the four powerful. No, they've signed bigs, yes, but bigs that – there's some of them that can cover three positions. So they can cover the three, the four, the five. Some can cover the four and the five. So, you know, you've got variation there. And, and I mean, let's just take Taj Gibson out of it. So they brought in Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, uh, Julius Randle, um, and who's the other one? Um, oh, and you got Knox there, yeah. So who goes in? Who could go in between small forward and power forward as well? Right? Taj Gibson, uh, I think, was just mainly brought in to just be a vet presence in the locker room. That I don't think he's going to get too much time. And I and I think half these analysts and and, and talk show people on Twitter and that aren't realising that. They're just looking at it from a really dumb perspective and a dumb outlook because I, I think Scott Perry did his homework on it. Um, he knew that we – well, look, this last season, we didn't have any, really any depth at the power forward position whatsoever. So I, I thought it was great that he brought in at least three guys that you could interchange in between. And, again, it's good to have depth there because – you don't know what can happen throughout the season when it pertains to injuries and stuff like that. So, um, you know, oh, I don't believe in any of the, the hyperbole on, on the Twitter that they're talking about because they don't know what they're talking about. You know, Scott Scott Perry, you know, he, he's very, you know, it, it's very rare that he ever makes a bad decision. And so far as the next GM, he hasn't made a bad decision. Um, and I think he looked at it from the perspective is – you know, we've got a lot of young guys here and, you know, you, you can't necessarily win a lot of games with just the young guys. So they needed to bring these vets in here. And these vets are being brought in not just get minutes to start off with initially, um, but to push these guys, to teach these guys, to guide them, um, you know, on their way to their future, you know. So, uh, you know, a, a Marcus Morris and uh, Taj Gibson, uh, Bobby Paws, Julius Randle, they're, they're going to be great for guys like Mitch and, and Knox and, and Iggy Brasdikas. They're, they're going to be brilliant for them. Uh, we're going to see these young guys, you know, get some hard nose about them, get some, you know, aggressiveness about them. Um, I think that's what's been lacking. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it was a good decision to bring in who they've brought in. And besides the point... Um, you know, I think a lot of these Twitter people forget that 
apart from Julius Randle, all the others have only got, what, a year contract? And they can get out of the contract. They can be tradable contracts. So, you know, say we've, we've brought in all these guys and say, you know, it's not working out of Taj, yeah, hypothetically. Uh, say Bobby Portis ain't up to scratch, uh, you know, for what we signed him for. Well, we can trade them and, and see what we can get back in return. But, um, yeah, at, at the moment and for what they needed at the time and for what was on the market at the time, they signed probably the best players at, at the positions of need for this Knicks team um, that was available. And if, if they had done, say, like a Lakers or a Clippers and sat back and just waited on the big guns, they wouldn't have got any of these guys. So we would have been left with pretty much nothing again in the young guys. And it would have been just a complete repeat season of last year. So I think it, the change was needed and, and the vet leadership was, was a must. So it's a good decision, on, on, I think. Yeah, they, they, Scott Perry cannot let us sit through another 17-win season. Oh, my God, it was so brutal. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, finally. Well, well, not finally. Before we even get to what we want to see from... Uh, media day, next media day, which is Monday, and it starts, I believe, 10 in the morning. So I can't wait. We're definitely going to have a podcast this Monday talking about um, next media day. Um, let's get into the bench real quick, bro. Um, so usually an NBA rotation is usually 10. Usually 10 guys. It's usually 10 guys. The 11th guy is situational. The 12th guy is situational. Um, How are you feeling about the bench? Just, just, just before you go, I, I want you to name your five guys coming off the bench and why. And I, I'm going to just give you my five guys real quick. So, my guy's off the bench, and I'm going to base this assuming, you know, uh, assuming R.J. Barrett wins the starting role at some point in the season, and assuming Kevin Knox wins, wins the starting role at the start of the season, or maybe they both win the starting role at the start of the season. Maybe they'll they surprise me and you both. My first five guys off the bench, for me, is Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, Frank Nilakina, Isozo, and that fifth guy. That's the that's the hard part for me. The fifth guy is situational. So you will want to play Damian Dotson, but you have Alfred Payton. Now that that this is my issue with the Alfred Payton pickup, because I feel like you need Frank Milikina, you need the guy who's gonna guard the James Hardens of the world, the Kawhis. Beat me and you and every Nick fan. We seen Frank guard both of those guys, lock them down at, lock them down at for for stints during the game. We both seen it. So I I, I just pencil in Alfred Payton. I say Damian Dotson might be inactive at the start of the season because when you have a shoulder injury, usually it affects your shooting percentages the next season. So I feel like that's my five off the bench. And I feel like the sixth man, who who, who will be the sixth man of the year for the Knicks, not for the league, I believe it will be Bobby Portis. I believe the combination – of Bobby Portis and Alonzo Trier will greatly help, but I believe Bobby Portis will definitely be the most improved player coming off our bench. So how do you, how are you feeling about the bench, and who's your five guys coming off the bench and why? All right, well, I've done a bit of thinking about this topic, and um, again, I, I, this is me going with Marcus Morris starting at the small four and Ellington starting at the shooting guard. So my first five guys off the bench would be Frank, 
Bobby Portis, Alonzo Trier, Kevin Knox and RJ Barrett. Uh, my reasonings behind that is, uh, obviously, Alonzo Trier is, is going to stay off the bench on the bench and come off the bench like he did last season. I, I think that's that's his position uh, at the moment. Bobby Portis is kind of easy yeah. as well. He, he's going to be backing up Money Mitch. I've had him there since we find him as the backup centre. Uh, so that, that was just an easy choice for me. Um, I, again, when it comes to RJ and Knox, the only reason I've got him starting initially, I don't know for how long, but starting initially off the bench and going with Morris and Ellington, in the starting lineup is, as a, again, I, I think Ellington as a vet and spreading the floor at, at this stage would be better to start. It'll open the floor up for the starters um, more than RJ, and just does it, it. Just allows RJ to to get used to the NBA and and have his transition from college to the NBA, you know, much more comfortable and relaxed. Um, you know, as I said, eventually throughout the season, he will he will win that job off of Ellington and Ellington will go back to the bench. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be keeping up on the bench initially. Kevin Knox, the reason I, I again, I won't go over again, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I want to see him earn it and I want to see him want to want the starting position. So that's why I've got Morris starting over him because Morris will make him want it. Um, and if he, if he, if he takes it off of Morris, like I said earlier too, then you know he's going to cement the spot because not not everybody's just going to topple Marcus Morris for any position, so he'll make sure of that. Uh, and for point guard off the bench, I, I went with Frank over over um, Alfred Payton because I believe Frank's defense with his length and his height is a lot more useful, and his defense is just a lot better than Alfred Payton's. Um, he's a lot quicker moving around. So I, I'd prefer to have Frank, like you said, on, on someone like a James Harden or a Clay Thompson over Alfred Payton. And I also think as, as just a point guard that sees the floor, uh, sets his man up beautifully for the open shots, I think he's also got that over Alfred Payton and he proved that in FIBA. Uh, every player on that court loved playing with him because he knew when to feed the rock to him at the right time. Um, just for his age, I just oh, I love the way he sees the floor. He's a floor general. He is a floor general in my eyes. I've said it many, many, many times. His game's a lot like Rondo's, but better. Um, so in that sense, where I compare him to Rondo is you're, you're not... Those that actually watch him, those that have studied him, those that have actually taken the chance to, to look over this kid instead of going, oh, yeah, no shot on, no, 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 he can't do this. He's not a Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard type point. He's not going to go out there and get 30 points. He's not going to get eight from, nope. from 11 shooting from three, right? Um, nope. He's going to be like Rondo. He, he, there could be some games where he might only have single, single digits in points. There'll be some games where he might get 20 points. It, it just... It all depends. His main focus is running the floor, seeing the floor, seeing his open man and getting that ball to the open man for the shot and his defense. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's still important in the NBA today. Without that, your team will just fall apart. So Frank, to me, is a must-keep. I'd hate to see him get traded. Um, yeah. I think that his... You know, again, he's not going to be a scorer, but his shot has improved. He was actually at least hitting a lot of his threes um, that I could see. So, you know, you don't want him to take like, – like you've mentioned before, you don't want your point guard taking umpteen shots a bloody game. That's that's not what you want. You want a point guard mm-hmm. that's going to set your small, your wings up, that's going to, you know, get feed the ball for you, feed the rock to the centre and powerful when he needs like, that, That's right. Um, so I, I think he's actually more important to the Knicks than what a lot of people realise because you go through the whole roster and uh, well, we'll just go through the whole roster of point guards and shooting guards alone. There's not a single person that I think could defend some of the best point guards and shooting guards in the link over Frank oh. on the roster. Oh. Not a chance. You know? And, and, and this is not just James Hart. Got, we've got to think 
we've got to think, well, right, we need defensively to, to tie up a Steph Curry and a Clay Thompson, a James Harden, um, you know, a Russell Westbrook to a degree, need to slow him down. Um, Damian Lillard, CJ McCullum, Bradley Beal, you know, guys like this. Um, you need a Frank Nitkina to, to defend them because he can stay in front of his man. He's quick. You know, they're not, they're going to have a hard trouble, hard time getting past him and, and a lot of trouble getting off their shots because of him. Um, just his length. I love his length, man. Lucy, he's yeah. a man, you know. Um, another person, like, I'd hate to see anyone of our shooting guards taken on Donovan Mitchell other than Frank. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Frank is a must keep. He must see, you know, a, a decent amount of minutes. His defense is needed. His his mind, his IQ is needed. Um, so yeah, he he's still there as the, one of my five coming off the bench, and I'd have him ahead of Alfred Payton for the backup point. So, whoever's a this is a fair warning from the State of New York Knicks podcast. Whoever's an Alfred Payton fan and you're listening to this podcast right now, we're clearly not a fan of him. <laughs> so we're sorry for, 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 the, for the bias that you're hearing in our voices right now. But I will just say to the Alfred Payton fans on a funny note, I'll give him credit for one thing. Thank God he got rid of the joystick on top of his head. Like that, that oh, has yeah. <laughs> 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 the hell is that, Alfred? But, okay. So me and you is kind of agreed with the bench, kind of disagree about the starters. Now, finally, media day. Media day is this Monday. I'm super excited for media day. Um, The reason why I'm excited for media day is because you haven't heard from Nick's brass in about, well, since that email they sent out in free agency saying we're, we apologize to the fans, but we're going to be build this team the right way. So we haven't really heard from management. So I'm pretty interested in hearing from Scott Perry, David Fisdale, and Steve Mills upon how their offseason went. And I want them to talk to the fans, fans directly, honestly, so... Those are the guys I mainly want to hear from. As far as the players is concerned, so what, three, it, there's two guys I really want to hear from. But the main guy that I want to hear from is Kevin Knox. I, I, the, the reason why is because it, Nick Fizz, Nick Faithful, my guy Mitch, if we're going to have any success here on out and in the future, Kevin Knox got it. He has to be one of the key cogs. We got it. This kid has to turn into some type of all-star or some type of two-way, some type of star. He has to. We need this pick to work out for us. We need Kevin Knox to become a player. You know, takes on that role. So I'm pretty interested into hearing about how he feel about his offseason and what he's going to do this season to be better from last season. Because his motor is bad. He, he, he had a bad motor. He, he would sleepwalk on the court. You know, he, he, he wouldn't contest. He, he wouldn't contest shots. He wouldn't, you know, uh, box out for rebounds. So, really pretty interesting hearing from Kevin Knox, mainly. And, um, a little bit of R.J. Barrett as well, but mainly from Kevin Knox. And I also, I'm hoping, bro, last thing before you go, I'm hoping somebody from the media asks these guys, did they watch Frank at FIBA? Because I, I want the kid to get a fair shot. Yeah. I, I need him to get a fair shot. I love, thank you. I thank Fizdale and them for playing Moutier, playing Luke playing Novani, getting those guys jobs in the league at other places, Super Mario. Salute to, salute to the brass. His first year, Frank was playing behind some bum. No, he wasn't a bum. But he was playing behind Jared Jack. Jeff Hornet trash, wanted to save his job. <laughs> so he was playing. 
He's playing this kid 30. He's playing this old man 35 minutes a night, letting Frank ride on the bench. So I'm pretty curious. I, I want a media person to ask them that, man. I really want them to ask them about Frank. But how you feeling about media day, bro? And, and, and who, who is you most curious to hear from? Yeah, well, okay. When it comes to management, I obviously want to hear from uh, Scott Perry and I also want to hear from uh, uh, Coach David Fizda uh, ob- uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, I w- I'd love to hear what, what uh, offense he's going to be running this year um, from David Fisdale and uh, just sort of what, what the outlook for the season is and what we can look forward to throughout the season. Um, you know, I'd like to hear little bits of points of what, what's gone on in the off-season that maybe we haven't seen or heard about. So um, just from those got two guys, I'd love to hear. As for players, I've got three players. Uh, first off, I'd love to hear from Julius Randle, uh, simply because he's, he's having the biggest contract uh, and he'd be one of the most intriguing participants on the day. Uh, he signed a three-year, $62.3 million contract, uh-huh. the third season, nationally guaranteed. He's had a career year with the New Orleans Pelicans, averaging 21.4 points and 8.7 rebounds per game. Um, of course, it happened on a lowly team, but the Knicks saw enough to make him, obviously, the team's highest-paid player. Um, potential talking points I'd like to see from him could surround how he will follow up and if he can become this team's leading scorer without one currently established. Um, second person, I'd lo- uh, player I'd love to hear from, obviously, is going to be Money Mitch. Um, you know, as everyone knows, he jumped off the court as a rookie, came one of New York's most exciting players. By season's end, he was the starting centre, took it from DeAndre Jordan. Uh, after averaging nearly three to four blocks per game in the final months and quickly he developed into a piece of the future. So year two, we could see obviously him ascend. So addressing what he expects from his game, um, I'd like to hear at media day. Um, yeah, have developed uh, in real game change. And uh, lastly, um, it barely hurt. Rebid uh, tournament. Um, so yeah, it was a real difficult sophomore campaign, as everyone knows. Had injuries. Um especially for, for a guy that needed NBA development time. He, um, you know, he, he became the subject at, at all times throughout the season of whether he should or shouldn't remain with, with our team. So I'd, I'd love to hear uh, from Frank. Uh, I'd love to hear him speak upon what he, his experience at FIBA and what he learned, uh, what he's changed about his game, uh, what he'd like to improve upon more. Um, and, you know, he, he, I mean, as everybody that watched the FIBA tournament, he, he played superiorly well for his skill set. Um, you know, he, he looks looked more comfortable leading the uh, French team around. So that, that's, that's a big, that was a big step, stepping point for him to step up into that sort of uh, leadership role, especially at a, a young age still. Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear also while he's talking, uh, you know, from Fisdale of, of how he wants to integrate Frank and where he'd like to play Frank uh, throughout the season. Are, are we going to see Frank mainly sticking to the one? Is he going to be mainly sticking to the two? Is he going to see time between the two positions? Are, are, is he even possibly going to see time at a at small forward in small ball lineups? So... I'd, I'd love to see a little bit of emphasis on Frank, as I said, because, you know, they'd say Dotson's a forgotten bear. Well, Frank, Frank kind of was forgotten and put on the outer by a lot of people, fans included. Um, and, and I've always believed uh, when it comes to Europeans, it does take them a bit of time. Um, the only, well, European recently that I've seen that sort of didn't need a lot of time to adjust and, integrate himself into the NBA was Luca, but not everyone can be on Luca's level. Um, so it, it took Dirk Nowitzki uh, a couple of seasons to get into the groove and of things. So <clears throat> that's why I'm saying with the Europeans, you've got to, 
yeah, you kind of got to give him a bit of time. Um, and, and he was picked up pretty young uh, as well. And so he only played one way, sort of way in Europe. And then he sort of got thrust into the NBA to learn all these different, you know, offensive schemes and everything. So it would have been a lot for a young guy coming from Europe to, to, to take in. And, um, you know, you look back in history and, and a lot of Europeans come across to the NBA and they do fail. Um, whether that's they can't keep up with speed, um, their game just doesn't translate, you know. So, but Frank's game translates. What he does well, he does very well, and it works in the NBA. You're always going to need defense. You're always going to need a guy with a high basketball IQ that sees the floor the way he sees it. So, just those two things alone should keep him in the NBA. And I, I kind of hope that he. he stays with the Knicks and doesn't get traded. I hope he's given a fair shake, especially after his FIBA performances. And we see a lot more of him this season, especially now that he's he's healthy. Yo, what's up, man? It's your boy, Slizzy. Sorry about the podcast for tonight or today if you're listening in the morning, afternoon, or whatever, bro, or lady, or sweetheart. Um, podcast got cut off a little early. You know, stupid anchor sometimes mess up. But we appreciate everybody who tunes in. We appreciate the love and support. Monday, this Monday coming up is Knicks Media Day. And we will be getting into what the players was talking about Media Day and the main quotes of Knicks Media Day. So salute to everybody. Salute the Knicks Nation. Salute to the Knicks family. Appreciate y'all. Peace.